0: Thought Warriors What is up I learned it's on It is I Van Lathan Jr
1: And it's me Rachel and Lindsay
0: Rachel the streets Are buzzing
1: hmm. What
0: happened Your appearance On The View
1: Oh nobody but Nobody's talking About that That's
0: not true at all <laughs> Thank
1: you for making Me feel good But nobody's talking About that You're so That's not true so at all man. You're people, so supportive Van People
0: are hitting me up Like Rachel was Holding it down love Aww to see you um,
1: We did back to back shows. So I am pooped.
0: So you did we rec- a show. It's a, so, but the people are talking about the show. So it must have already come on. We
1: did live today. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. We okay. did a live show today and then we had like 30 minutes and then we did a whole nother show after it for tomorrow.
0: Now, are you pooped because you went to the View or are you pooped because you went to the drink concert?
1: <laughs> Now, at the being the responsible adult that I am, yeah. I left halfway through the Drake concert. I was yeah. home by 11.
2: Drake, Drake, how I was the I didn't
1: concert? even see 21 Savage. And I like 21 Savage because Drake. I was trying to be responsible and come home.
0: You didn't see 21 Savage. Does 21 Savage come on after Drake?
1: He comes on during it. So Drake starts off. And you know there's all this talk about the 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 kid sitting on the couch with him is he AI or not. It's definitely a real person, but I think they do something to his face to make him look like young Drake. Anyways, show starts off very emo. He's singing to us at the beginning, then he turns it up. Great. It, it was a good show. And then he like does this DJ bit where it's like kind of like club Drake and he's perform he's got his friends with them. He's taking shots. Travis Scott was there. And I was kind of like, well, he performed sicko mode, Travis. Where, where were you? Why weren't you on stage? What happened? Mm. Anyways, and then he, he went into, when he went into his beats section, we left.
0: You don't fuck and, with Afrobeats?
1: And I get, no, Drake doesn't. Is it doing beats? I wouldn't consider that. That album? What I think that's what the att- I think Afrobeats. that was the attempt.
0: Wait, are you, you're saying that Drake, I missed the joke. Are you saying that Drake had an Afrobeats era? I don't remember this.
1: Well, that album that he had that was kind of like techno. Oh,
0: you're talking about Honestly Nevermind.
1: Honestly Nevermind. Yes. Which is what I always say, how I felt about the uh, album. Um, When he went into that, we left. But I guess he does an outfit change, like a wardrobe change. And uh, 21 Savage comes on during that.
0: 21, can you do something for me? 21, can you rub my back for me? For me. Um, that's dope. Um, look, streets are buzzing. Rachel Lindsay on the view. I think you should be the permanent host. I've said this before. You're they very call nice. You, they call you more than anybody else.
1: These days. Yeah. yeah. These days they do. But, uh-huh. but, so you, you really try not to do this in person. This would require me to move to New York. We talked about this. Unless I'm on that Anna Navarro where I'm coming like, once or twice a week, and so I can live in both places.
0: Where does Anna Navarro live?
2: Miami:
0: Oh all night the: I'm going to Miami. Do you know that the guy who wrote that song, um uh, Ryan it was Will real Smith. Toby. No, it was Ryan Toby.
1: Ryan Toby. What would you do if your son was at home? <laughs> Crying on the, <laughs> on the bedroom floor. That's my floor. Homie. That you know a song.
0: Ryan Toby wrote that song. He had never been to Miami.
1: I need to re listen to the song. Now yeah. I need to hear it because I want to see if I can tell.
0: Do you know where I learned that piece of information? Ryan. Nope. Yep, from Ryan, but from an upcoming episode. Of the runaway hit podcast, can we talk R and B oh. with Ian Von Spooner featuring Ryan Toby? Episode's coming out pretty soon. You're gonna learn more about Ryan Toby and all kinds of different things on Can We Talk R and B?
1: That's so interesting.
0: It is. He's yeah, a great plug. Yeah, it's <laughs> great plug.
1: Has he been um, now? <laughs>
0: I'm sure he's been to Miami. There's some great mm-hmm. stories in that interview. I'm not even joking. That's one that you guys are gonna want to listen to. There's so much great stuff. There's some great stories. Is he still uh, with interview.
1: um Claudette? Was, Ortiz. Is it Claudette? Mm-hmm. No. Okay. And does he talk first, about
0: it? Uh, yeah, he's talked about okay. it a lot. But when I didn't when I first met Ryan, me and Ryan boxed together at the boxing gym. When I first met Ryan, I didn't know that they had been married. You guys were talking about the. Two thousands group City High, that did what would you do? Caramel, Ryan Toby, member five of the group, brown friend eyes. of mine. You like side shit. Side.
1: I and love, so I loved City High.
0: They got married, and I didn't know. And then mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Ryan ended up telling me, I was like, "Oh, I didn't know you guys were married." It's like whatever. Um, look, we're gonna eat on the podcast again. What the Rachel? Come on, man. At least act like this is a sort of deal to you. <laughs> act like this is a kind of deal. Would you eat on the view? Would you eat on the view? Don't start you wouldn't, doing that. The, you wouldn't eat on the view. You wouldn't eat on, uh, well, these other shows that you do. You wouldn't eat on extra. Why are you eating on here, man? Donnie, don't, jump in, sweet booty. I don't work at extra. Sweet, Stop. sweet, sweet booty. Oh, people, are, oh, you, you're breaking news. Well, it's out. You bra- you- <laughs> <laughs> Um, sweet booty, jump on real quick, bro. We have to talk about like what. No, what yeah. should, you are
1: your, not gonna start this. Narrative. I I feel like look, we'll, go ahead, Donnie.
2: Rachel's had a crazy busy day. From the sounds of it, she says she's pooped. <laughs> look, she's like working in a salad or whatever you're eating. I'm sure it's healthy and not much flavor right now. While she can, <laughs> she's getting she's getting her nutrition when she can, and I support you. Uh, you're on Rachel's side 90 percent of the time. Jump off, sweet booty. Like so- here's the thing. <laughs>
0: uh, what was, that, what was that sandwich shop you had that time? I still haven't had that sandwich. You were eating Where? a sandwich from someplace. I still haven't had the sandwich.
1: I rarely eat sandwiches, so what I'm... I'm...
0: Sandwich? Oh, pot bellies.
1: Oh, pot belly sandwiches are good. Good old pot belly. Listen, in my defense, yes, I had Drake last night. Couldn't sleep last night due to the time change. Woke up no, every hour. Yeah. Got up, prepared for the view. We did two shows back-to-back. And then I came straight from there in here to do this podcast, and from here I will leave straight here and follow in Van Lathan's footsteps and go on Dan Abrams' show.
0: Oh, Dan Abrams! Me and Dan—all I'm going to do
1: is—all I'm going to do is argue because
0: <laughs> me and Dan I, argued a lot sorry. on the show. We did. We argued a lot. Me and Dan Abrams—we argued. I don't care about not being an agreeable guest like Ice Cube who we'll talk about Ooh. a little bit later on. Uh, the Ice Cube situation was bad. Wild. it's bad. Wild.
1: Respect. I All thought respect that... Okay, I don't want to get into it. I'll, I'll wait till we, I'll no, wait till we'll we get it We'll get down. into it. We'll get into it.
0: We have some great show today. We have Shakira Hill Taylor that's coming on Um, Black Futures Lab. She is going to talk to us about the very real phenomena of Black maternal mortality. Okay. The social economic um and historical reasons why our sisters are so much more vulnerable black women yeah. are so much more vulnerable um when they are pregnant and even after they are pregnant Rachel how did this interview hit for you this was a this was a really really eye opening one for me
1: it's honestly it's it scares me it was definitely eye opening i learned a lot but i feel like the more i learn the more scared i get because i am a woman, I'm a black woman who wants to have a child. And when you realize the system that we're currently living in, which she'll talk about a lot, and how bad just the U.S. maternal health situation is compared to other countries, and then you add on top of that, is specifically how it is for black women, and a lot of it is because we just don't know certain things. It's really a scary situation as a person who's, you know, wanting to have kids.
0: Mm, it's tough. It's tough and it's also, it's tough and it's also ridiculously underdiscussed. The state of things that we sort of just live in a country where we accept um that black motherhood is a dangerous proposition. And we're not out there. Beating the drum about it every single day. Some we're going to discuss. Yeah. We're going to talk about it here on Harlan. That's what we do. We talk about it. You know what I'm saying? All right, you know, let's start the show. Uh, on the other side, of this break. These motherfuckers are old. Th- that's that's the bottom
3: line. This episode is brought to you by Thomas's. Thomas's presents Technique with Tom. Slicing an English muffin with a butter blade? Boulder Dash, Just pull apart with your hands and marvel in the nooks and crannies' splendor. For each one is unique, like a snowflake. <laughs> Thomas's Huzzah! A toast to breakfast. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on Cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. All right. Uh, GOP leader Mitch McConnell zonked the
0: fuck out. Um, he was uh, uh, doing a press conference. This was Wednesday. And he just started staring off into space and no one
4: knew what the
0: hell was going on with Mitch. Uh, Donnie, run the audio
4: bipartisan cooperation and a string of
2: Let's go back
0: to your press. Mm-hmm. do you want to say anything else to the press let's go back to the go ahead John all right that's basically what happened uh, McConnell went and sat down in his office for several minutes he later returned uh, and answered questions at this press conference now we should say Uh, that he was out of the Senate for almost six weeks earlier this year after falling and hitting his head Mm -hmm. um, That's following the dinner that he had had in the hotel. He suffered a concussion and a fractured rib during that. His speech has been a little bit uh, wonky since then. When he returned, he answered questions about what had happened and said that he was fine. Of course, you guys know that Mitch McConnell is a notorious figure in the right, in the far right, as someone who has been one of the most successful obstructionists in terms of the left and the Democrats and a lot of freedom-loving Americans getting what they want out of government. Rachel, he's old as shit. He's 81 years old. We have an aging set of legislators and people in the executive office. Of course, the Supreme Court um, which is the uh, legislative office? Or no, the judicial office. Should I say? Uh, they're also getting old too. Is government getting too fucking old? Are some of the problems that we are experiencing is because these people can't be counted on to 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 be as sharp as they used to be?
1: Well, one thing I will say about the Supreme Court: this is actually. One of the younger Supreme Courts we've had in a very long time. Like these new appointees are going to be sitting there for a while. You are right. Um, but I think that Mitch McConnell and I'll be a little bit more sympathetic. Um, I think it highlights exactly what you said. There's about to be a changing of the guards. The people that we've seen, the powers that be, the ones who've been majority leaders, minority leaders. Speakers, we're seeing that they're getting older, and it's happening right before us. And I think it's also starting this conversation of: Should they step down? Are they qualified and capable to still, you know, do uh, uphold the position that they that they have? Do they are are they able to execute the duties and their responsibilities of their office? I don't know. I think watching Mitch McConnell be silent for twenty seconds—that's a very long time—and it was scary. And I, I said this earlier today. I do have to commend the the senators that were around him because I feel like they went into action and like moved him away. It was kind of this line of what's going on, do we embarrass him uh by just moving him out or do we kind of just make sure he's okay and usher him out? I'm I'm glad that he's okay. I'll say that as well. Um, but I think it does highlight that our the ones who we've seen running things for such a long time really are getting older. And a lot of people were upset that he didn't directly answer the question about if he was okay. If he had, um, well, they didn't ask him, I had to talk to a doctor, but they asked him specifically what was wrong, if he was okay, what happened. And he kind of made a joke about it. He talked about Sandbag and Biden and tried to be funny, and I personally am of the belief that I don't think Mitch McConnell had to say anything. I don't think that he has to reveal exactly what's going on with his health. I don't think that we have to be privy to that information. But I do think that what we saw was very alarming, and I do think that he's probably not running this next go around, and he is 81. Hmm. But I'll no, I'll say that. Go ahead.
0: So I disagree. I think that we are privy to the uh, the health information of of people that we elect because we elect them to do jobs and we need to know if they're capable to do the jobs that we've elected them for. Uh, this is something that's sort of taboo to talk about and I like some of the things that are taboo to to talk about on last week's, last uh, earlier this week's podcast, the last podcast where we just kind of fucking curred out. <laughs> Won't happen again. We just got to go there. We have to we have to go there. We have to we have to what talk about things.
1: Season?
0: Yeah, when we got into the whole just Hilarious thing and we both oh. uh, were just like Mitch McConnell. Um <laughs> we, yes, basically I, we both became I, Mitch McConnell.
1: I don't want to say a thing. You're right.
0: Okay. Um so look, I, I do think that we as the electorate should be concerned and also privy to information about the people that we elected because They're there for a specific purpose. We need to know whether or not they're capable of doing their jobs. It's just a fact, right? Uh, As an NBA fan, I want to know if somebody has a hamstring pull. And as someone who is putting the social and economic power of this country into an elected official, I want to know if they're capable. And I think that's not a crazy thing to ask for. It does get into a situation to where you don't want to discriminate against people because of their age, because the people that are older are elders. Uh, A lot of them remain very sharp and very capable. Um, And so you want to make sure that you don't become an ageist or whatever. That's not what I'm talking about. But there is, to me, an issue here. And the issue is kind of along the same lines of what we saw with RBG. Now, we can talk about whatever Mm. we want to talk about. The fact that RBG Mm. refused to retire. I agree. The fact that she refused to retire when she was in declining health, even though she was asked to, that cost the people that RBG spent her entire life fighting for. There are other situations. Feinstein, older at but this she's point, not, she's done. Yeah, but I'm just saying. When I my point is, we talk a lot about black versus white, rich versus poor, but a lot of times we don't talk about the fact that some of our elders, some of these people, do not want to shake loose of the power for sure that they've had for a long time that exists in Congress. It exists in uh the the court system and it also exists in a lot of these organizations. It exists in organizations, be it NAACP, be it uh uh the SCLC back in the day, there's always a group of younger people who are trying to figure out how to make their voices heard. Um, and there's a group of older people who have been sitting on these these perches for a long time and in control of these institutions for a long time and don't want to turn it over to the new people coming up or sometimes don't want to uh, work with them. And, you know, with the election that's coming up, uh, President, Biden, President Biden's age has been something that people have focused on and harped on. Yeah. Now, look, I don't know if it's something to necessarily kick his ass about, because if you look at the administration, the Biden administration is doing pretty well. They're not delivering the things that I specifically asked them for, but the rest of America doesn't even care about those things. If you look at some of the economics, some of the things that are going on, it's not going poorly in America right now. Things are turning around, and he's an older president. But I will say this. I am to the point right now to where I am looking for an infusion of youth into the American political system. I'm looking mm-hmm. for some people to come up and and and, and change things. Bright, young political stars uh, in all different areas because I know that Mitch was injured, but <laughs> I don't want to watch a guy with that much power skitzing out, conking out on live television. That's scary to me. And I don't know how nor what they saying. And by the way, this is not something that either side has a monopoly on. I think we're getting too old in terms of making the rules and legislating on the left, and I think we're getting too old on the right. It's time for these 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 people to groom some new people who have different, fresh perspectives to come in and change this stuff around.
1: To be clear. What I meant when I said that I don't think that we needed to be privy to the information was that when he came back to the microphone, they were immediately asking him what was wrong with him. And I felt like before consulting a doctor or whatever, he didn't need to tell us that. However, it's now being reported that Mitch McConnell has fallen. We know he fell and had a concussion. Um, I don't know if it was this year or last year, but within the last year. And it's been reported that he has fallen several times to me when it gets to that level or the level of RBG, who we knew we were up to date on what was happening with her. We were aware of um, the illness that that she had. I think when it gets to that, now knowing that he has fallen more times, I do say, okay, you've got to put your pride to the side for the betterment of your party or for the position that you hold. And we don't see people be, we don't see them willing to do that. And as you pointed out, that happens on both sides because we didn't see that with RBG. And sadly, that is one of the things that in addition to all the amazing things that she did with her career, it's one of the things that we will also always talk about and will remember. Um, Well, let me ask you this. Do you think we'll get an update, especially with the report coming out that he's fallen several times? do you think that we'll get an update where he will address his health health, or an announcement that he will not run for re-election? Because his re-election is 2026. So he still has some some years.
0: Yeah, look, uh, (laughs) it's always been old white guys that have been in those places. This is nothing new. I think now with how quickly things change and how quickly these political arguments change and how fast things are moving... I think we probably need to change these people out a little bit faster than we used to. Um,
1: <laughs> the way you're talking you know, about them, Jesus. like it's like look, a set of clothes. Um, yeah, we need to change all, wait, them but, out. But, but,
0: but they are though. And see, this is my thing. They they are. Mitch McConnell is a person. Feinstein Feinstein is a person. Maxine Waters is a person. All of these people are people, right? Oh, they're all the people in there too. Yeah, they're all people. I love Maxine Waters. But, you know, she's getting older. And a she, lot
1: of... She's not there with them. But yes,
0: yes, she's getting older. Well, hold on for a second. Hold on for a second. Let's let let's look. Hold on. Let's, let's look. Let's look right now. She's 84.
1: Wow. Okay. You know what I mean? But, and, but, and, and, but, 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 not to be an ageist, that doesn't mean that her health is also suffering. No,
0: it doesn't mean that her health is suffering. And I'm not saying that, Maxine is not an amazing person and a fantastic legislator and someone who has done a life's worth of work to make things better. What I'm saying is part of the legacy is carrying that on. So it's probably time to start grooming the next person to come in there and make sure that what your vision of whatever you had for the area where your constituents reside. But that carries on because when you get to a certain age or a certain point, it is just a fact of life that things around you become a little bit more pernicious, a fall. You know what I mean? Your body is just not the same. And then at any moment, we could lose you. And then if we lose you with no plan of succession or no new person that you've groomed or um, because you stayed too long. Now we're in a situation where we're still on this planet and we're less powerful than we were when you were here. So to me, what I, I'm not trying to be an ageist. And I and she is very sharp. And the majority of them, well not the majority of them, some of them I'm talking about are very sharp. But when I see this, like I think there's an elected official that people have put their trust and faith in, who, for whatever reason, his age being one that one thing that's included, might not be capable. Of, of doing this job to the highest level. And back to your point about changing clothes, they're just tools to me. Mitch McConnell is a person that has a family that has all of that, and that's fine. Whatever to him. Uh, you know, I guess Satan got people that love him too. But as far as his official position as a senator... He is just a tool. He is just a person that is there to get a thing done for people that have assigned him to do that thing. And the moment, in my opinion, that he is less effective as that tool, he should be replaced like any other tool. Like these politicians are wrenches and cogs and things like that. And we should think about them as people when they're in those positions. There are people yeah. outside of that, but when they're in those positions, they are servants, public servants, and that's how they need to be looked at.
1: Yeah, I think the, the thing with RBG is, that's tough is that when she passed away, it, hap- it happened when we had a Republican president, and so it was like a different situation because that's who appoints it. When it comes to like a Mitch McConnell, it makes me think of more of like a Eddie Bernice Johnson, who's the... who was formerly the, the congresswoman in the district that I grew up in in Dallas. She was like 85, 86 when she left office, but she was grooming the next person, which he very well could be doing too, and some of these other politicians as well. She was grooming Jasmine Crockett, who ended up taking her seat and who she publicly endorsed, and that's who ended up winning. So I, I, I understand what you're saying. Not the clothes thing. I think that's a little rough, but... These politicians might be grooming the next person to come in. They might
0: be. Yeah. That's very RBG's true.
1: a little a little different. A but little different.
0: they asked and they asked her to retire.
1: I, I Barack yeah. Obama did. I know. Right, right. I know they did.
0: So no, they might be. They <laughs> might. They might very well be grooming the next person. But I would just like to see at this particular point some new blood in some of these places. You should
1: run. So these run.
0: arguments are a little bit more relevant. That's not for me.
1: Yeah, I don't yeah. want to be a thing. Put your
0: be a politician. Put, put I your... don't want. I don't want to be a thing, because politicians are a thing. Like I just said, they're a thing. I gotta be a person. I don't want to be a thing. A politician is not a person. That's not, That's a thing to me. Um. Oh, real, real quick before we go, the people that were gleeful that his mind short circuited because he's Mitch McConnell. What are your thoughts on that?
1: That's dark. I actually didn't see a lot of that. I'm not saying it wasn't Nigga, out there. You don't like you. <laughs> you ain't in these streets. <laughs> no, I'm not. Were... <laughs> I'm not, I'm not on these social crazy. media streets. Right. I'm not on social media streets. But you know what? If I saw it, I probably would have turned away because, like, you got to separate it. Somebody, he clearly had some sort of episode. I can't yeah. laugh at it. I can't mock it. And I also just think maybe it, I'm not going to speculate on what happened, but what it looked like was a stroke. Yeah. And that runs in my family. And I guess it just hits in a personal way. So I'm not going to make fun of any of that that happens. Do I like what Mitch McConnell's, excuse me, do I like what Mitch McConnell stands for? No. Um, Do I think he's been a huge thorn in the side? And that's putting it lightly of what Democrats are trying to do. Absolutely, but I'm not going to kick a man while he's down in that way,
0: so I have what's called the laugh threshold
1: nah van
0: so no. I'm to be honest with you no. I have what's called the laugh threshold. This is my deal. I never wish bad on anyone. very few people do I wish bad on very but few if
1: bad happens,
0: and you're an asshole and a bad person, I reserve the right to laugh
1: the start. Your dog. So you were so you were in these streets. You were dancing in these streets, is what you're selling. Nope.
0: You. Nope. I'm not I didn't dance. I didn't celebrate it. Because remember, those are two different things. I didn't dance, I didn't celebrate it. But, but had haven't. he been a different person, I probably wouldn't have laughed. Because that video is objectively funny. Okay? I can't The, vi- I can't. the video is objectively funny. It's objectively funny that he just stood there. You know what I mean? Objectively funny. And had I, had he been somebody different, I probably wouldn't have allowed myself to laugh. But it's Mitch McConnell. So my nigga, if it's fuck me, then it's fuck you. So I, so I, I had the laugh. I don't wish bad. I hope that he's okay. He's got a family and all of that stuff, whatever. I hope that he's okay. But I may at least get these, I'm going to get this, 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 this hearty heart off. You know what I'm saying? I'm gonna get the hotter,
1: hotter, hotter. Hot, I can't, I can't, I can't go with you down that that trail. I feel you. That's true. I, I should say
0: that the laugh threshold. Okay. Uh, Hunter Biden, his plea agreement is on hold. Judge questions the scope of the deal. We're not gonna get too deep into this, but uh, Hunter Biden's 53. Just to let you guys know. We talked a little bit about what was going on with Hunter Biden. The deal is on hold after district court judge. Marilyn Noriega, Mary Ellen Noriega, so Trump employee, who's overseeing the case, raised concerns about the scope of immunity from any potential future charges. So apparently in this plea deal that they had come to, hey Rachel, the legal eagle this for me, because I don't really get it. Mm.
1: No, it's listen, this is I this isn't in my wheelhouse of the type of law that I practice, but I and I find this very confusing because usually when you do have an agreement. Right. And specifically with President, oh, yikes, specifically with Hunter Biden. They've been investigating this for years. They've been working on some sort of agreement for a while. You would think by the time they decided to go in front of the judge and present the agreement that they have read over, that they've negotiated, that they've presented publicly about what it was that he was going to plead not guilty. I mean, that he was going to plead guilty to. They would be on the same page. There would be some sort of meeting with the minds. Then they get in front of the judge and they couldn't be farther apart on a very specific issue. And that's whether or not they will continue to prosecute Hunter, uh, further investigate, I should say, Hunter Biden. Hunter Biden's team, the defense, thought that everything would be resolved with this agreement, that they wouldn't continue to go after him. The prosecution said that they were still going to continue to investigate. When the judge asked them, Well, how will you continue to investigate? They couldn't answer that question. So they kind of left it open ended as a free for all. If I'm Hunter Biden and I'm the defense, why would I sign this agreement? Why would I plead guilty to this? If anything, the Republicans have shown us, even up to this point, they were still trying to intervene with this case, Republicans in the House. They've shown that they are willing to do anything to try to show that Hunter Biden is corrupt and then try to connect those dots to president Biden. And they've been able to do it in a very unsuccessful manner. You have them going to the lengths of showing naked pictures on, on the floor when it comes to Hunter Biden. So if I'm Hunter Biden, I want to make sure that this is it, that this is resolved. And that's how they went into this agreement thinking that, and the judge was like, well y'all need to figure it out and come back to me.
0: Um, he pled guilty to, uh,
3: a gun. He, ple- he and pled some not. Tax crimes. He
1: pled not guilty.
3: Hmm. He walked oh, he because pled not he
1: agreed. He was Be- going to plead guilty based on the agreement that they thought they had in place. Right. He ended up pleading not guilty because he was like, "I'm not going to agree to this agreement." So the judge said, "Go back and work it out." And I do think that they'll come to some sort of agreement So I think everybody's just exhausted over this. But the fact is, he can't sign something where they're like, "Well, we're still going to in- continue to investigate you."
0: I mean, initially. I Initially, he had pled guilty to two misdemeanor counts of willful failure to uh, pay income taxes. That was part of the deal.
1: That's Not what he was going to do. Yes, What
2: he was going to do? I guess my question is this: Um, when they're talking about
0: future prosecutions, they mean do they mean within the scope of the investigation, the current investigation?
1: No. That's why if they, if they felt that they would have specifically said that they didn't, she said, what are you investigating him on? And they could, the judge, and they could not, Mm -hmm. they wouldn't say.
0: So, but to me, does it make any sense for someone to, as part of a plea agreement, does it make any sense for the U.S. attorney to say that we're not going to ever prosecute Hunter Biden. Well, again? that's what
1: that's what a lot of people were saying. They were like, "Well, he's got complete that immunity. Make any sense. He's got yeah. complete immunity. This is this does it This is too broad." That's what a lot of people were saying. But that is what it appears the defense thought. I guess the way that it's that it's worded, <laughs> oh, they thought
0: what that the fuck. <laughs>
5: That
1: they, man, like, that they had completed, that they had completed their invest, because this has been going on for like five years. That they had completed their investigation, mm-hmm. and it was resolved with this agreement. Right, that's what they thought.
0: Interesting. Uh, I think this this looks like it was handled poorly all around, and it also kind of feels like Hunter Biden is looking for some preferential rentals. Okay, it seems like that. It seems like a lot of the shit that's going on. Well, let's be honest, man. The the Hunter Biden thing for me is both evidence of something and evidence of nothing.
3: Mm-hmm. I don't know mm-hmm. that there's mm-hmm. any
0: reason for me to believe that Joe Biden is wrapped up with Hunter Biden. This entire sort of, uh, you know, influence peddling, huge conspiracy um, in Ukraine or anything like that. I haven't seen anything to make me believe that. Right, but obviously. Hunter Biden's wealth and his proximity to and American political power and his yeah. name is making people handle this a little bit differently on both sides. He's both a target because of that and yeah. he's also someone who is uh incredibly privileged and that privilege is is um a part of this as well. Some of the things that he was that he was uh that he's being prosecuted for the, um, you know, possessing a gun by while being an unlawful user of a controlled substance. I've never in life heard anyone prosecuted on that.
1: Well, no, yeah. But, but however... Even, this, even tax. Even tax. Uh, they would have just settled it and figured it out.
0: However, by that same token, a lot of the Alvin Bragg New York stuff against Trump is stuff that people would not be prosecuted on if, They weren't a huge political target. To me, I'm like, if you broke the law and they want to come after you, they can come after you. That's equal application of the rule of law to me. Um, But I think that the whole thing, being a colossal waste of time, is more interesting than um, whether or not Hunter Biden is a criminal. Because I don't think that any of Hunter Biden's crimes like rise to the level of something that should be uh, garnered this much interest from this high, uh, this high a level of government with mm-hmm. these types of people. Um, but it's just w- interesting to watch this privileged wrestling match because if they throw Hunter Biden, Hunter Biden in jail, I don't really give a shit. I really don't care. But the his privilege getting being involved in this and. And on top of this, the fact that they're wasting so much time doing it.
1: That's it. Uh,
0: that, to me, is the more interesting thing. He's just sort of a mascot for how politicized all of this stuff has become. Then yeah. you start asking questions because you you really did start asking questions. Well, then, um, what is that beginning and end with Donald Trump? Because I think some of Donald Trump's crimes are really, really, really at the heart of American democracy and uh, uh, American um, intelligence and, you know, American financial integrity. I think Donald Trump is an actual criminal. But then, you know, mm. there there are other things that he was investigated for that were political.
1: Like sure, to me. Maybe, sure yeah. may, maybe, maybe that is the case. But I think with the Hunter Biden thing, I, I'm with you. Like, I, it doesn't affect me either way, whether he goes to jail or not. I just have a huge issue that they're using him to try to connect some dot that to to President Biden that he is a part of this huge. They have this crime family, you know. That's Mm -hmm. to me what the issue is because they're just trying to use Hunter to criminalize Biden in response to what's being done to Trump, and that's exhausting to me. And I am Mm -hmm. so sick of hearing about Hunter Biden to the point where. Reports are coming out that so are the Republicans. Everybody just, not everybody, but a lot of people just want to move on from this. It's becoming a joke at this point. And and, and the fact that they didn't come to this plea agreement at the end, yesterday, it just plays right into these, these Republicans in the House that are trying to bring up these conspiracy theories about Hunter and what he allegedly did, even though they have no proof at this point to that, And so the fact that it got denied and they're like, see, the prosecution still wants to continue to investigate them, it plays into all of this and they're just going to keep going and going and going. So I, I, don't,
0: I don't care about an investigation if there's reason to believe that there's merit behind it. So the moment that there's actual evidence that Hunter Biden was using his father's name to do all of this stuff and Joe Biden knew Joe Biden knew, not just knew, but Joe Biden was a part.
1: Well, how long are we going
0: to do this? I don't because... know. So, But what I'm saying is I have no problem with criminals being prosecuted because shit, if Hunter Biden sure. was one of us and they wanted to come after us, we'd be in jail for fucking 55 years. Under it. They put fucking Wesley Snipes in jail. Anyway, so so <laughs> like, all, I'm say- all I'm saying is, um, all I'm saying is, it, it, just for the show of it, it's time to get to the fucking point, man it's time to get to the point. Or maybe it's not. Maybe maybe they'll continue to be focused on Hunter Biden um, as their constituents are poor and going through it. um, And maybe they'll sabotage their own chances at further political power like they always do. They always focus on the wrong (laughs) thing.
3: This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got Tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. This episode is brought to you by 7-Eleven. Cold slurpy drinks and a hot summer day are a match made in heaven. And your favorite refreshment just got even better. Let's talk about 7-Eleven's $1 small slurpy drink. With seven rewards. It's the classic frozen fizzy treat you can't get anywhere else. I'm a blue raspberry guy. Just know that about me. Know that I'm about to be going forward. Anytime there's a drink like this, I'm in on the blue raspberry. If you're feeling thirsty, feeling thirsty right now, how about going to visit a 7 Eleven valid through 1725? 7 Eleven has the right to end this promotion early, plus tax. Participating in U.S. stores. C app for full terms. All rights reserved.
0: All right, let's talk about it.
3: The collaboration you didn't know
0: that you needed, Rach. <laughs> Tucker, Ice Cube, stay in your lane. Ice Cube one O'Shea Jackson. Tucker Carlson met for a segment on Tucker's show, Tucker on Twitter. The segment is titled Stay in Your Lane. It's two different uh, segments of the interview. One is Tucker and Ice Cube driving through South Central Los Angeles. And Tucker's in the hood. We got his hood card up. They went through Ice Cube's neighborhood. They talked to Ice Cube about myriad different things. And then another one dropped today. And that was a sit-down interview here they did they had two parts parts. oh
1: no i didn't
0: see the sit down which one was uh they were both pretty equally appalling the sit-down interview was with uh was they talked about a couple of more things he did ask one thing in the in the sit-down interview that i was a little um curious why it wasn't asked when they were riding around uh Rachel, did you get a chance to check it out? I know you, the, the second one just dropped. You, obviously, I don't feel like you've seen that one. I actually really just watched it before the podcast started.
1: Um, I didn't see the sit down, but I did see the car ride. And okay. oh my gosh. Yeah. It was so problematic. And I don't know, I didn't know about it until you sent it to the group chat. And I don't know what I was expecting, right? Because it didn't really even matter to me what Ice Cube was going to say, because the problem was he sat down in the first place with Tucker Carlson, aligning himself whether he was going to debate him or not, which we well, i mean we knew that 's not what it was going to be, but the fact that you sat down with Tucker Carlson after everything he 's done he's stood for the fire, the the fuel he 's added to the fire the, everything that he represents um the voice. It feels like it's time to at times to white supremacy and white nationalism. You're gonna sit down in a car and kiki with him. That was problem number one. Just on itself, the fact that this was going to happen, then to watch it play out like these two were buddies and they've been known each other for years was so problematic to me and irresponsible on Ice Cube's part, specifically because of some of the things that they talked about. Okay, Ice Cube's riding around with him in his old neighborhood, showing him where his dad lives, showing him how he grew up, how he met Dr. Dre, blah, 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 blah. Then he starts talking about, well, I shouldn't say he starts talking about, I felt like Tucker Carlson was using him to further beliefs that he has, specifically about Black Lives Matter. Rather than talking about Black Lives Matter and what that meant and how Black people came together and the unity of it and what came about in this country, at least from those protests and from people calling certain things out, they talked about how problematic the organization was as a whole. That was the focus. There were even headlines that were shown. He used Ice Cube to talk about not getting vaccinated. I thought that entire conversation was problematic. The fact that he sat down with him when he has had people on his show extremely critical about rappers and hip-hop culture and how they've ruined the Black community in America. Tucker has had guests come on and talk about that, has not said anything to combat it, yet you're going to hop in the car with Ice Cube. And the George Floyd of it all, having video of George Floyd on there and the fact that Tucker Carlson has said that Derek Chauvin did not commit murder and has even made very crude jokes about George Floyd, saying that time he said, where's George Floyd when you need him? The fact that Ice Cube, after all of that, and then just the conversation of what they talked about, it just, it was so bad. It was so bad. And I don't know why Ice Cube, Ice Cube would sit down with Tucker Carlson. I don't know what the purpose of it was. Maybe it was answered in the sit down interview. Maybe you got more. But to me, all this did was benefit Tucker Carlson and further some of his own beliefs.
4: You're
0: absolutely right. Ice Cube has been going on what he called the gatekeepers tour, where he was going to go on different platforms and expose what he believes to be the gatekeepers. Um, he's talking about... Uh, the inability of his league, the big three to break through and why the NBA is hating on him. There's a little talk about Adam silver um,
1: mm-hmm.
0: in the, uh, the ride around portion of the stay in your lane episode. Um, And so in this, he's gone everywhere. He's gone everywhere. He was on, he did Jake Paul. He did, Breakfast Club, he's been... I've seen Ice Cube popping up everywhere. And he said it, to be honest with you. He said he was going to go on a tour to promote the Big Three and to talk about who he felt like the gatekeepers were and call them out. I have no problem with that. Cube has always been a table shaker. He's always been someone who saw something that he felt like was wrong and then got right in your face to tell you about it, right? That's mm-hmm. why I've been a fan mm-hmm. of Ice Cube for as long as I've been a fan of Ice Cube. Um, Your interpretation of the interview is totally right. Where I disagree with you is I don't mind him talking to Tucker Carlson. I would talk to Tucker Carlson.
1: I believe you would.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I don't mind him talking to Tucker Carlson. And I think people have misconceptions about what it means to quote unquote have conversations. To talk to the other side. When you talk to the other side, there's a way to do it. I think Ice Cube gave a master class on the wrong way to talk to okay, the I was other side. Say. Um, because uh, in his conversation with Tucker Carlson, he was made to look like a feeble yes man mm-hmm. for Tucker.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: He looked like a member of Tucker's entourage for everyone out there that has that beta male bullshit in your head that you talk about all of this alpha beta alpha beta stuff, which to me is a fundamental misreading of um, society. But if we use that framework, there is no way to look at the interview between Tucker and ice cube and not immediately know who the alpha is and who the beta was. Tucker Carlson literally leads Ice Cube into saying what he wants him to say. People fixate on race too much, don't they, Ice Cube? Yes. I think people fixate on race too much. Yeah, I think they definitely do. Like, it's, uh, it's something to where it's just not that big of a thing it's this we said in the second one it's like this is coming from the guy who had the contract with black america yes who understands seemingly that black people have a fundamental set of needs that would necessitate him uh drawing up a contract with the government for black people so to me sitting there with tucker going yeah it, it, it's not so much about race it's about individuals and this happens to this person this happens to that person Well, then, if that's the case, then why do you feel like you need an entire contract for our safety and productivity? Then he goes right back on the other side of that and talks about the fact that Black people are sometimes shut out of financial institutions. It was as if Ice Cube spent an entire interview being Tucker Carlson's yes man, whatever he wanted it to be. Tucker, uh, Tucker Carlson would bring up Oprah. He would say something. Ice Cube would then answer with uh, what he felt like was the truth about Oprah. He would um, he would talk about Biden. He would talk about Kamala Harris. He would lead him into all of these talking points that he wanted Ice Cube to discuss. That's in the first and in the second part. And Ice Cube would just completely take the bait. Meanwhile, the things that they might disagree about, Tucker Carlson never brought him up, and Ice Cube never brought him up.
1: Mm.
0: You know, Tucker Carlson brought up Trump in passing, and then got right to Biden. There was no talk about white supremacy, structural racism. There was no talk of there was talk about the fact that the neighborhood that Ice Cube Ice Cube grew up in was the way that it was for a long time, and that politicians had not done anything to change it. But there wasn't a discussion about why the neighborhood was that way. Right. From either Ice Cube or Tucker Carlson, right? And you know Tucker is not going to do it. Ice Cube grew up in Reaganomics. He watched neoliberal economic strategy decimate the American middle class. He grew up in a time where the urban infrastructure of the country was failing. And he wrote about that in raps. He wrote about that in raps in the the 80s. Mm -hmm. He wrote about that in raps in the 90s. He wrote about stuff that was bigger than that. The way the fucking Ice Cube that I knew made it seem like it was 10 white men sitting around a fucking desk controlling the whole world. He wrote about it. And he's sitting there with him. I don't care that he sat down with him. He's sitting there with him Agreeing and shaking his head and acting like Tucker is some sage, some fucking introspective oracle about the ills of this country when he's another white dude in a suit, just like Ice Cube warned us about in 1991. Yeah. It was deeply, deeply, deeply disappointing. And it made me ask a lot of questions. It made me ask a couple. One is whether I changed or whether he changed. Another one is if any of these guys are as smart or as <laughs> rebellious as I as, as I ever thought they were, one reason is because, like, for all the rebellion that was in the music and that was in the art, it was all for sale, right? You had to buy it. So there wasn't any grassroots social movements. There, was any, there wasn't any political activism. There wasn't any education. The rage was all for sale. So it was all capitalism. So if it's capitalism, you sell whatever people are buying. And you sell it when people are buying it. So maybe people were buying that then. And maybe they're buying something different now. So maybe Ice Cube has something different to sell. He's talking about the big three, right? He's talking about something that he feels like he is being cut off from because he's black, right? As a black-owned business, they ride around in their car and they talk about the fact that the NBA is not reaching out to the big three, a competing basketball league, by the way, because um, the NBA is not investing into a black-owned business. Then we get back to the second part of the interview, and Tucker gets Ice Cube to say that people are overly fixated on race. You telling us the white people are fucking over you right. until the white man tells you that the white people aren't fucking over you, then you're agreeing with him. So once again, and I'm not trying to be a dick about this because I have a great deal of respect for Ice Cube. I'm calling this as I see it: balls and strikes. Sure. It seems like Ice Cube has something else to sell. And because he has something else to sell, he's using a different method of selling it right now. Look, man, I have no room to talk here. I've worked at TMZ. I currently work at Spotify. I, Everyone knows it. I get money from white organizations and white structures. Most of us do. We live here in America, right? So I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with that. But What I am saying is this was embarrassing.
1: Yeah, and I, I, I'm
0: a cook. If I don't call it out, this was embarrassing. This was weak. I've never seen him weaker. I've never seen I, him weaker.
1: That's why I say, and that's why I asked, did it come out in the second, um, the second part? What was the purpose of that? If if I'm and and the reason I said I would not sit down is because this was on Tucker's platform you're in essence giving up some sort of control because the footage that we saw added in that video, Ice Cube saw nothing about that. He didn't know all that with, with George Floyd and all that stuff that we were going to see. So I feel like he gave up a... He was willing to do that. To do what? Promote the big three? That was such a tiny part of everything that we saw at least in the 12-minute first part and then I don't even know how long the second part was. So to me... I would have never even opened myself up to this. And it makes me ask the question, how much does Ice Cube know about Tucker Carlson? Does he just look, does he know his history, his past, certain things that he said, his, his, his interpretation of things, the lies that he's told? That's what got to me. I wish I had the quote. And the, when they're sitting down, they talk about lying, and the truth. Do you remember that? Is yeah. At the very Tucker end... Carlson
0: says Tucker Carlson says that uh, you can't say that. They're talking about one specific thing. He says you can't say that because it's the truth. And then he says if it was a lie, you'd be able to say it. But now the things that you can't say are the things that are true. That's what Tucker, that's, and a, they that's laugh the about gist it. of the quote.
2: And they, they laugh. laugh
1: about it. And that's right. so troubling because That's part of the reason you don't even work at, one of the reasons you don't work at Fox anymore. You have a history of putting out lies that damage specifically the Black community and get people to hate on us. And that was a perfect opportunity for Ice Cube to call that out. So to me, I keep going back to this question that I have. What was the purpose of all of that? What did you accomplish? Other than exposing yourself, are making people question you. Because Tucker was Tucker in that. It was Ice Cube that was the surprise.
2: Look. There's a thread at the end of the interview where Tucker says, why are rappers
0: so willing to be open-minded? Why are rappers so willing to be open-minded? And Ice Cube talks about the fact that, you know, rappers have to be
2: a kind of classic to a degree. Um, they have to rock boats. Can't really be safe.
0: Uh, and it does seem like a lot of times when you put a microphone in some rappers, because we have a lot of guys out there that are very educated on a lot of things, right? If that was Vic Minson sitting down with Tucker Carlson, it would have went differently. And that's not me trying to pit Vic against Ice Cube. That's just saying that that brother knows what's going on. And there are a lot of other brothers and sisters, a lot of sisters that know that know what's going on. Um, I think that we have to separate, or I have to separate. We don't have to do a motherfucking thing, but I have to separate things that are said on records for shock value with actual fundamental knowledge of the subject. You know, and I think fuck the police coming straight from the underground. A young brother got it back. It was brown, whatever. I probably fucked up the lyric. That to me, I thought was a, a battle cry. But it might have just been a bar. You know, I thought it was a battle mm. cry. You know what I mean? But it could have just been a bar. A lot of these things, they might just be bars. Every time a rapper says something, every time a rapper says something terrible, we say, oh, it was just a bar. But whenever they say something really introspective and crazy, we go, oh, my God, that person must be the Messiah. They might well, just be also, saying it shit that real. rhymes.
1: But, it, but it, yes, but it was real. And it was highlighting yeah. something that we weren't necessarily, that was a type of rap we weren't seeing at that time.
0: So my thing is this, though, if it's real, right? And they do, to the point, which I had wondered why no one had asked Ice Cube this um, in any in of the interviews that I had seen. They do talk about the police. In the second part of the interview, and Tucker asked him, "How do you feel about the police now?" And what Ice Cube essentially says is actually Donnie play Ice Cube's answer. Um, actually play the whole an- Donnie bring that interview up and play that inter- inter- that answer for Rachel in real time so she can hear it if you can. And then we'll we'll move quickly after this, but but we'll play the play that um play that answer in real time for Rachel so she can hear
4: it. What's your view of the police at this point? Um it's the same, you know, they, (laughs) it really is, you know, it's, 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 it's like looking at like, what's your view of the military? Like they're the military. They're always going to be the military. If I asked you this in 1946, you'd be like, they're the military. So it's a fraternity. It's an organization that does things a certain way. And I think their philosophy sometimes is detrimental to the people they're serving because I think cops have a win and make it home philosophy. Win whatever battles you have in the street, make it home at night. And that's, that's actually the most important thing. And everything else, people's rights, doing things the right way you know, being totally fair and square all the time and not, you know, being a little aggressive, you know, Um, all that comes second to win the encounter, make it home at night. And you can't really fault somebody for thinking that way as a police officer, but that's the philosophy. So everything else come second to that.
0: You can stop it right there. Okay, so on its face, that doesn't seem like a bad answer. But just lives here. Fuck the police coming straight from the underground. A young nigga got it bad because I'm brown and not the other color. So police think they had the authority to kill a minority. Fuck that shit because I ain't the one for a punk motherfucker with a badge and a gun to be beaten on and thrown in jail. We can go to toe to toe in the middle of the scale in the middle of the jail. Now Let's look at the difference in those two answers. First of all, he says he feels the same way about the police. He doesn't. He thinks now that the police put getting home to their families and winning the encounter over the rights of people. I agree with that. I agree with that. Yes. I do to think that. I think the police think blue first. But I think something else, and Ice Cube used to think it too, Ice Cube says right here that his life la- mattered less to police officers because he was black. That his life mattered less to police officers. Got it bad because I'm brown and not the other color so police think they have the authority to kill a minority. Do You know what Ice Cube is saying in these lyrics? He's saying that Black lives matter. He's saying his black lives matter. And he'll use his power to assert the fact that his black lives, his black life matters through violence. And he's saying that the police don't think his mat- his life matters as much as somebody else because he's black. Because he's black. Y'all, I'm not making this shit up. Like, I listened to these guys my whole fucking life. I know what this motherfucker has said for years and years and years. I'm just wondering, like I said, either... I've changed or he has or it was never real because he sitting down there talking to Tucker and he gave an answer that seems like it works. And it does in a way. But it's not the same thing that he said before. And it's not the same thing that people on the ground are saying, because we're making a very specific point. Not that I'm on the ground, but the people that are on the ground, they're making a very specific point about how race factors into interactions, not just with police but with American systems of power. And Tucker led Ice Cube by his hand like a kid all throughout an interview where he got him to destroy those ideas out of his own mind.
1: Yeah, and like, here's the thing. He said they want to win and get home. The key thing, and to your point, he did not define what it takes to win. What does that mean, Ice Cube? How do they win to get home? What do they have to do? Who do? Whose lives are they valuing more than others? What's happening? What's your process to win so you can get home? And that encompasses the lyrics in that song. And that's not what he's saying. And I don't know if he just skirted around the issue and wanted to talk about it in a general sense, which is still problematic. Again, this is your opportunity to talk about issues that affect Black people, but again, that might not have been his purpose for this whole thing, as you said, it was to promote the Big Three,
0: to promote his issues with the NBA. He's doing with the, the Big tour Three. And whatever.
1: That was yeah. it. That was it,
0: guys. All right, huge, huge, huge issue, big issue, one that you should care about: Black maternal mortality. Why? the numbers what they are what can we do what does it mean to have a community that supports and uplifts and protects black pregnant women we're going to get into that with shakira hill taylor on the other side of this break this episode is brought to you by thomas's
3: thomas's presents technique with tom slicing an english muffin with a butter blade boulder dash just pull apart with your hands and marvel in the nooks and crannies splendor for each one is unique like a snowflake. Thomas's. Huzzah! A toast to breakfast.
1: This episode is brought to you by Hyundai. You could be doing anything this week, right? You've got work, errands, friends, and a whole lot of fun in between. That's why the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the capable SUV that's built for your life. With premium interiors, available wireless charging, and room for your whole cargo and crew. Okay, Hyundai. Visit HyundaiUSA.com to learn more about the all new 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe.
0: All right. um, We are going to talk about a very important issue now, an issue that we seem to only talk about when something terrible happens, but it is one of the things that is assaulting our community, one of the many things that is assaulting our community that we do not give enough space to on the regular, and that is black maternal mortality and what black women are going through every single day in hospitals all over this country and what we can and need to do to address this issue. We have someone very special with us today to discuss that, Shakira Hill Taylor, the chief digital officer at Fenton Communications. She previously served as vice president the Metropolitan Group, where she led their global and digital social marketing practice, also has developed the Black Maternal Equity Legislation for the District of Columbia while working with the Black Futures Lab. I love the Black Futures Lab; it's yeah. my people over there. Um, <laughs> Shakira, thank you for joining us today. Uh, we started talking a little bit on the old Twitter sphere, um, and we decided that we would go a little bit deeper into this this issue. Uh, So my first question for you is what is the issue? Lay it out for people, just what we're looking at when we're talking about uh, some of the disparities in maternal mortality between Black women um, and other segments of the population.
5: Yeah, well, first of all, Rachel and Van, I want to thank you both for holding space for this conversation. It is really imperative that we're talking about the maternal mortality rates for Black women and Black pregnant people with the appropriate context. And so to answer your question, you know what we are seeing is an epidemic, a mortality epidemic as it relates to the maternal experiences of Black people. Um, Black women are three times more likely to die of preventable, and that is the operative word, preventable negative outcomes as it relates to labor and delivery one of the things that we don't talk about when folks hear those statistics is that this is not a race issue so we hear oh black women are three times more likely to die and people can negatively assume that it is a causality so because you're Black, you're more likely to die. What Black women are experiencing are the effects of racism, and they're seeing that in their maternal outcomes. Um, Dr. Geronimus, she, in... What was like a decade ago, um, coined the term weathering, which is the experience of constantly accounting racism, whether it's through structural impacts or just daily interactions, as a physiological phenomenon that occurs in our bodies. So, in very plain terms, the more experience of racism that you encounter in your communities, in your workplace, through the medical system, whatever that looks like, we begin to, ha- to manifest physiological outcomes. So diabetes, hypertension, stress, the loneliness, whatever it is, it starts to manifest. And so we're seeing that weathering have impacts on, on how we birth and the experiences of our births.
1: Shakira, has this all, I, you know, we're talking about it more, thank goodness, um, but has this something that's always been particular to, to Black women, or is this something that we're seeing increase as time goes on?
5: This has been particular to Black women and also brown women. We don't talk about, you know, the effects of um Latina women of Native American and indigenous populations, so pretty much anyone who is non white, we're definitely seeing increasing rates for black women, and that's that's for a number of reasons. So, we talked about the sociological aspects, right? The weathering, the encountering of racism, we need to talk about loneliness and lack of community and supports, and then there's also the structural impacts, right? We are unfortunately in America, and America's maternal care is bad for everybody. Uh, We don't have the appropriate, appropriate infrastructure to adequately support people who are not only going through birth, but rearing children across this country, but because of the intersections of racism and how that shows up in our communities and in our lived experiences, we are seeing those increasing mortality rates, not just for birthing people. The other side of this is for babies. Black babies are twice as likely to die um, at birth than white babies, right? And so we're seeing it on both ends of the spectrum. We're losing birthing people, but we're also losing We're losing our babies too. So, you know, it is something that has existed before and we're not slowing down the train and we're seeing the increasing effects of these negative outcomes.
0: What are the socioeconomic factors that lead to these outcomes?
5: Yeah, ironically, um, based on Dr. Geronimus' theory of weathering, your socioeconomic status is actually not an indication of how well you will do. You look at someone like a Serena Williams or a Beyonce, they both experienced negative birth outcomes. Thankfully, there were not fatalities, but their, you know, status as wealthy women with access to the best uh, quality of care did not preclude them from, you know, encountering um, the effects. For for both of them, I think it was uh, eclampsia for Beyonce, and I believe the same for for Serena. And so, you know, recognizing that your socioeconomic status doesn't prevent you from a potential fatality there are other things that are happening within the system. And that those are the things that we need to be talking about. We need to be talking about what is it that is keeping Black women from experiencing the quality of care that they need to get, even before conception, which is another aspect of this that, that often doesn't get enough conversation. How are we preparing people for the experience of pregnancy? How are we supporting them through pregnancy? And then increasingly important, how are we supporting them in their postpartum journey? So, you know, socioeconomic status has some contributions, but is not at all an indicator whether or not you will fare well or fare better um, in your experience of labor.
1: So I'm a Black woman who wants to have children, what are questions that I need to be asking my, my doctor or my OB, uh, OB-GYN prior to, you know, getting pregnant and then even throughout?
5: Yeah. First and foremost, you want to be thinking about what does my medical care team look like? One of the things, so Van, you talked about my work. I'm also a part-time labor and birth doula and birth educator. So I come to this work both through somatic practice and also, you know, more structural practice through education and training. And so when I'm working with clients and preparing them for their labor and delivery and thinking about their team, I often recommend You want a culturally competent and aware team and understanding what is their point of view and frame of reference as it relates to cultural competency. So if you're working with the OBGYN, you know, do they understand the implications there are for you as a black person and what you may be facing when you're thinking about your labor and delivery? Are they you know, willing to have those kinds of conversations? Are they friendly to birth workers? You may decide, Rachel, I want a, a doula. I want to have a lactation specialist outside of the hospital who is supporting me in my birthing journey and my postpartum journey. Are they going to be welcoming to that? Are they available for all the kinds of questions that you may have? Believe it or not, some medical care providers, they feel a level of discomfort going that deep, particularly in ensuring that folks are able to give informed consent. So that consent being able to ask all of the different questions, what are the benefits, what are the risks? What alternatives are there for the different decision points? What if I decide to do nothing? Some OBGYNs don't want to go that deep. They want to be able to say, here's here's, here's what you're looking like. Here's your health. Here's how we're going to birth you. And so what is their appetite for your curiosity around this experience? The other thing that a lot of people don't know to ask about, what are your episiotomy rates? And what is the cesarean rate? And what episiot- is an episiotomy? Yeah, an episiotomy is the likelihood of having to have your vagina clipped to open wider for the baby. Um, far too often, hospitals will default to that uh, as a measure of liability, um, mitigating liability. So rather than doing expectant management, which is allowing all the time needed to get the baby out. However, the baby chooses to come out, some folks will default to an episiotomy or a cesarean, a C-section. Understanding those rates and knowing how high those rates are is a really good indicator of, am I working with a hospital and nursing team at OBGYN that is gonna allow me to be intuitive with my body and work with me through an expectant labor and delivery, or are they going to move a little bit faster? So those are just a couple of things to keep in mind. And then again, who do you want on your birth team? Do you want a doula? Do Do you want to work with a midwife and a doula and an OBGYN? Who are the people in your community that you want as part of this? Do you want to bring in, you know, mothers in your tribe to be a part of your birthing team? All of that That matters.
0: Let's go back to the episiotomy thing, real quick. So, what is that? You say you do what now?
5: Yeah. So, for people who are having a vaginal birth, once the baby is making it through the birth canal, if the doctor for any reason finds that the baby is having difficulty making it through the vagina, they may choose to clip the vagina. Um, to help enlarge in the scope of that the baby's head and body can come out of. <laughs> Van, your face. You see what women but, have to go through. <laughs> that is an episiotomy. Damn. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: I gotta call my mom. Look. <laughs> yes. um... And
5: sometimes, sometimes people don't know that they get cut right. until after the fact, and so it's important to ask what those rates are.
0: I I, I want to um <clears throat> yeah you know appreciate you ladies i, I want to uh i want to get back to something I, I, one thing that's important for me to understand here is the reasons why these disparities exist and if it's not socioeconomic i understand that there's a cultural um component to this but what is the reason like why yeah. and 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 what can we do way before ladies even get pregnant before they even get into labor before they even get to uh the hospital after on I mean, any to kind of address some of these things
5: yeah this is a great question and i'm so glad you asked particularly around solutions cuz we really need to be talking more about solutions so just going back to what are the root causes the sociological aspect racism as a determinant of weathering those encounters of racism, taking a physiological toll on our bodies, making us more predisposed to things like eclampsia, which is hypertension during and shortly after labor and delivery. The other thing is this, the infrastructure of our maternal care system. America for A wealthy nation has one of the worst maternal care infrastructures in the world, which is really disheartening. In 2011, something like 211 maternity wards closed, and that's increasing. And the reason why that matters is because when we think about being pregnant, proximate care is so essential when you're pregnant pregnant people need to be able to have easy access to their OBGYN and medical care team. Once you start to lose that proximate care, folks start making choice points around whether or not they're going to be able to make it to a, a prenatal appointment. So if you are somebody who lives in a community that It might be a food desert.
3: Mm.
5: It may be a transportation desert. And now it's a maternal care desert. You're now not getting access to the nutrients that you need in that prenatal phase. You're not getting access to ease of transportation to get you to your prenatal appointments. Oh, and by the way, you may be missing some of those things that your medical care team can catch to be able to determine. You know, we we may need to consider you high risk or put you on bed rest or whatever. And so we have these like constellation of different factors that impact, unfortunately, predominantly black people. So if you're not getting that proximate care, if we're losing maternity wards, people are missing appointments. We're not catching those indicating factors that may make someone a risk. Or a potential fatality. So that's one piece of it. The other piece of it, which I think we can deduce from um, Tori Bowie's experience is the lack of community that pregnant people often find themselves in. You know, I live in, In the greater Washington area, and so I consider Washington, D.C. area, I consider myself privileged in being in a coastal area where folks are a little bit more liberal, community is a little bit easier to come by. But if you're someone in a rural area, if you are, you know, in the South where um, getting pregnant is increasingly risky, if you're someone that doesn't have proximate care and proximate community, That sense of isolation is also a factor. We need to be supporting the pregnant people in our lives by surrounding them in community and helping to ease the burden of experience. And that's anything from, let me make your dinners for the next week, or just checking up, especially, and I know... (laughs) Pregnant people do not like this, but once they get into that third trimester, they really do need a call sheet of folks who are just checking in. They
0: hate it. (laughs) They They don't leave me alone. My feet hurt.
5: Because they're so ready to get that baby out. But it is important that they have those people just checking in. And it can be a very non-intrusive check-in, which is just like, hey, I just left some fruit on your doorstep. I just want to make sure you know I'm available as a resource for whatever you need. I know you're waiting till due date, but I'm here if you need me. Um, loneliness is, is a factor and we need to help eliminate that sense of loneliness. On a policy level, we need to, at a local level, be making sure that we're paying attention to the funding that are. Uh, politicians and legislators are allocating for maternal care? Are we allocating financial resources to build birthing centers? Are we allocating resources for a workforce of birth workers? There are two midwives in D.C., Mm. two, (laughs) for the entire city, because midwifery is an incredibly challenging uh, area of expertise to get into. It's also high barrier in terms of education. So you have to go through all of your nursing credentials and then go through midwifery school and then do all of your training through a hospital system. We need to be eradicating barriers for birth workers to be able to work with hospital systems. There are hospitals that do not allow birth workers unless you have a very specific um, criteria or training or specialization. We need to create policies that make hospitals more birth worker friendly, so more doula friendly, more lactation specialist friendly, more midwife friendly, and allowing these systems to work together. And then we also need to address medical racism because that is a very real thing. So looking at the curriculum for medical schools and making sure that we are leading with um, pro-Black and addressing anti-Black sentiment and the bias that is often embedded in our medical care system and that doctors are trained to understand how that bias shows up and what it looks like and how we can be delivering culturally competent and empathetic and patient-centered care um, for Black and other non-white of uh, populations. And so if we can address those different areas. And I believe that we can with advocacy, with support, with educating people on the context of the issue, then we can start to see these fatalities go down.
1: Really quickly, before we let you go, um, you mentioned eclampsia, which was something I had not heard of until we started to see it, you know, publicized either with celebrities or related to a death what are some other either conditions or pre-existing conditions that we need to be aware of and then also on the the other end I feel like we don't talk enough about postpartum depression what are some signs that you know these um, like black brown and indigenous women can pay attention to and what should they do as far as creating a community after birth as well
5: Absolutely. So in terms of, I want to address the postpartum question right away, because you're right, we don't talk about it enough. It's really important for people to know that there is in the level setting of your hormones after delivering a baby, it is natural to experience anxiety, to experience disembodiment, which is feeling a bit of a disassociation with your body, to have what they call the baby blues. So one minute you're high, one minute you're low. When we think about postpartum depression, what we're looking for are prolonged experiences of any of those symptoms. So if someone is having prolonged and heightened anxiety, that is an indicator if they're not finding their ability to bond with their baby over a prolonged period of time, and prolonged can be anywhere from, you know, eight weeks to a year, Um, we want to be looking for those signs. If they're feeling like they want to harm themselves, certainly we want to be looking at any verbalization or actions towards self-harm or, or thinking about harming the baby, Um, or even the loss of appetite, not able to, you know, take care of their hygiene, not feeling like they want to get out of bed and be social again, prolonged experience of experiences of those symptoms, because that level set of hormones is certainly going to be normal for the first about eight weeks. Most people find that they can find some normalcy after eight weeks, but beyond that, if we're seeing an increase of those things that I just named, we want to start talking to our medical care provider, midwife, or doula about uh, postpartum depression. If you are the partner or in community with somebody who is pregnant, it's really important to just be there. Be there as a listening ear yourself being educated on the experience of labor and delivery and also what postpartum looks like for a lot of pregnant people, supporting by easing burden. When I'm working with clients and we're doing their birth preferences, one of the things that I talk to them about is who is going to be in your community of care and what is it exactly that you need them to do? Because we need to tell them that now and we need to get them ready now. You don't want to be trying to activate them when you haven't slept for eight hours. You got milk leaking from your body. The baby won't stop crying. So we work on getting community involved through the pregnancy so that once the baby is there, everybody understands their role and position and they're willing to support. You can often, and and, and and the baby shower, I tell people, put a doula fund or a night nurse fund as a gift item on your registry. I am a huge advocate of night nurses. I'm not a postpartum doula. I'm there for getting you ready for <laughs> labor and delivery. And are you out. I- it, we deliver the baby. I'm coming by Peace. for two weeks, and then I, I come to you. I come
0: to his graduation. That's it,
5: right? Uh, <laughs> send me uh, send me the baby's uh, pictures. Right. That night nurse is there to support you getting rest. A lack of sleep, sleep deprivation is something that can cause postpartum depression. So I'm trying to do everything I can to make sure my clients understand that. So they're setting themselves up for success and getting sleep, whether that's a night nurse or you have a trusted family member or friend who's gonna come and do the work and not put extra work on your plates. They're taking the baby at night. They're doing those feedings. They're changing diapers. They're letting you and whether it's your partner or whomever else, get sleep so that the next day you have that energy to be able to do the parenting and child rearing that you need to do. So that's postpartum. And Rachel, remind me of your first question again, because I got into postpartum and got super deep. No, and thank
1: thank you for that. I was just asking, um, what are some of the pre-existing conditions yeah. or conditions that other than eclampsia that we should be aware of?
5: Yes. Hypertension, for sure. If you are somebody who either has a family history or have experienced it yourself, you definitely want to disclose that to your doctor and your medical care team um, because hypertension can then turn into preeclampsia or eclampsia. Diabetes, the same thing. If you have anemia, you definitely want to make sure you're disclosing that and addressing that um in your prenatal care that baby is you, i've heard pregnant people say this i'm not saying this they're saying that you know the the baby is like a leech they're taking all of your nutrients so if you have any nutrient deficiency you want to make sure that you are addressing that there are folks who have hypergumesis, which is a weakening of your uterus, which makes it can make it very difficult to carry to full term. If that is something that you experience, it doesn't always mean that you'll deliver early, but it does make you high risk and you may be put on uh, bed rest through the duration of your pregnancy. That is something that folks want to be looking out for. One thing I want to say before I go and I'm I'm so thankful for this opportunity because I want to talk about before getting pregnant, which I know is a privilege being able to plan a pregnancy and having a child. But if you're somebody that is thinking about one day, you know, getting pregnant, it's like training for any endurance sport. You want to be doing the things before you get to that that event. And so Thinking about what your diet is before pregnancy and all of the pre-existing medical conditions, whether in your family history or in your own medical history, that you want to address before pregnancy. So if you have anemia, are you on an iron supplement or working with your doctor to address that? Or if you have a magnesium deficiency or a vitamin D deficiency, You want to address those things, thinking about what prenatal vitamins you want to start taking even before pregnancy. I encourage people get on a prenatal vitamin if you know you're trying to get pregnant within the next six months, Mm -hmm. because that is going to give you the necessary supplement and nutrients that you need to support not only the baby's growth and development, but your ability to feel good Mm -hmm. while you're pregnant because you don't feel a depletion. And then building that community and really having the conversations both with yourself, your partner, your community about not only what your expectations are for pregnancy and your labor and delivery, but what you want your quality of life and child rearing to look like. Because you are forever postpartum once you have a baby. You are not just postpartum for a year you're forever in that postpartum phase and understanding what you need your quality of life to be is so integral for how you will prepare for not only your pregnancy, but also your labor and delivery. And then finally, work with a birth educator, a midwife, a, a doula, work with someone outside of, you know, our traditional um, medical care, industrial complex, who has the capacity and the training to help you advocate for yourself and understand all of the many, many choice points you will encounter through your reproductive journey. That person, a doula, is going to help you understand your birth preferences. Do you want a birth at home? Do you want a birth in a hospital? Do you want a medicated birth? Do you want a cesarean? Because you could do that. You could say, I don't want to push your baby out of my vagina. That is okay. But just knowing that and being educated is going to make you a more empowered pregnant person and also um, birthing person.
0: That is Shakira Hill Taylor giving you the down low on everything that you need to do to have a positive and healthy pregnancy and delivery. I'll say one thing before I let you go, Shakira. I think that you guys should change the name <laughs> of midwife. Nobody wants to be mid anymore. That's in the past. I think a lot of people might not go to the midwife. It's like it's mid. So you know <laughs> what I mean? You don't want that. It's like, it has to be like, I don't know, like, I don't know, hot wife. What you should Full wife? I'm
1: fine with midwife. Mid. I'm fine with mid, Shakira. Mid. It's I'm
0: not fine. mid. Mid is done. Okay, that was so. Yeah, communicate. You need more. It needs needs to be better. Tell people where they can find you real quick.
5: Yeah, you can find me on Instagram. I am at the underscore dope d o p e underscore doula d o u l a. Or you can find me on Twitter and spill at Shakira Adiana.
0: Thank you so much for joining us on Higher Learning, a very important issue. We're better for having you on the show. Thank you so much. Thank you. Um, so a six a sixteen-year-old TikToker was twerking in a video with iSpice. iSpice has a new video called Deli. And uh I guess this young lady is sixteen years old. She has millions of followers on TikTok. She posts content about teen life, relatable family skills, hair care videos, and makeup tutorials. She um she's known for her lip sync and dancing videos. The TikToker previously prompted People to raise eyebrows due to her being on the platform when she's just 13. And uh she was in this video. I've not seen the video yet. I saw parts of it, but not the part that she's in. Um, because there were like clips putting on, like Ice Spice coming coming back strong with deli. <laughs> <laughs> um oh, but this is interesting because some people would say that there's a trend happening here. Okay. So this 16 year old girl was in this video, apparently she was twerking. First of all, mm-hmm. let me ask you this is there Is there anything inappropriate about that?
1: I mean she's a minor, so you know she might have had permission parental like permission from her parents that oh, might have made that don't it matter. That I'm just don't saying matter. it might no no, no, she's a yeah. minor, and it's gross that grown people are looking at a minor. Shake her ass. I'm just saying she could have had permission. It does not excuse it. But she might have been permitted by her legal guardian to do that. It does not make it okay. It doesn't make it right. I'm, I, I don't ever want to see the video. I'm highly disturbed by a 16-year-old twerking.
0: Okay. So here's the thing. 16-year-olds twerk.
1: Of course. They
0: okay. Okay. 16-year-olds twerk. They twerk at parties with their friends. I'm sure they twerk on videos on the internet and all of that stuff like that. However, they shouldn't be twerking with grown people. And they shouldn't be twerking in videos that grown people are watching, right? They shouldn't. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um and, you know, it's one thing if you're watching a video and there are a bunch of women in the video, you don't know how old they are or whatever, uh, because it's an I Spice video. But you know, i Spice is a, she's a a lady who has sexual connotations in her lyrics and her performance, which is fine as long as it's for grown people. You put a fucking kid. I never liked that. Kids and videos holding guns, kids and videos doing stuff. All of it's fine to me as long as it's for grown people. As long as it's for grown people. I looked at this and I thought, y'all know how hyper-liberal Van is about sexual freedom. In this situation, that's too much to me that's too much uh, of a situation. That's too far. She's too young to be twerking the video with a bunch of grown women. She's being
1: sexualized as a minor. The purpose of her twerking, I just saw a still shot. Purpose of her twerking in that position was to to show something. She was being sexualized as a minor. Whether Ice Spice knew that or not, somebody on her team did. She had to sign some sort of paperwork to be a part of this. And that's, just the loss of innocence of it all and seeing, like you said, of course we twerk with our friends and, you know, like uh, teen clubs. I used to go to them all the time, but to do it in this way. And just the desire that such young kids have to be, to do that and to be that at such a young age with the loss of innocence is also just disturbing to me.
0: All right. Now there are a couple of events that people are making corollaries to, uh, there was, of course, the event of Sukiana, who was twerking um, against a young boy's knees in a music video.
1: It's horrifying.
0: We talked about Sexy Red going to the high school. But then there was also a video posted. Um, JT of the City Girls, some footage from Rolling Loud with a young Miami son who was um, throwing money at strippers while he was surrounded by adults. A lot of mm-hmm. people are saying that some of the sexuality of this stuff is starting to not be sectioned off for kids um and they're specifically indicting some of the women in hip hop for not protecting young people from the sexuality of their lyrics and their lifestyles and This is not to say that this hasn't happened on the other side because we've had conversations. Um, And we know that these guys are like, hey, fill up on some ass. You're a man. Or or The Boosie situation with his son. And we've seen this before. We've we've also seen other people on both sides stop it. Like, Webby came in and got on all of his kids for doing something or going crazy while he was not there. But there seems to be, as things get more sexualized, there kind of seems to be this thing to where we're not just keeping it for the adults, which I would very much like to just keep it for the adults, man. Um do you think we're yeah. talking about this enough?
1: Well, I mean, I think we should. I don't think we are. And I think we kind of just gloss over it, especially when it's this way around, right? If this was, you know, we talk about double standards, but if this was a man doing this to a, a woman, a little girl, we would be talking about it more. We don't on the other side for some reason. And it is a huge problem because these are children and they can't, one, they're not consenting. (laughs) Two, they're not grasping the gravity of the situation. You know, young Miami's son does not understand what it is to be a stripper, what it is to throw money, what he he doesn't. And and that's going to stay with him. And I just think that save it for them when they're adults and they can actually make that decision. I highly doubt the son was like, "Can you give me some money? I would like to go to the strip club, and can you give me money so I can throw it on the stripper?" That's there's not a chance what
0: happened. That he did say that. Hold on, <laughs> I'm just saying. If, like, he didn't first say, of all, "Hey, what do you want to do he's today?" In a specific, like he's in a specific. To... He grew up in a different way. No, and there is a chance that he was no like, "Yo, way throw me the ones." He said,
1: "Hey guys, here. today can we go here so I can nah, do man, this?" Nah, man, there's a
0: chance, Rachel. I'm sorry because he grew so he down there in Miami. And that's what they do. It's a chance that he like, is it really, he sees his, he sees the adults around him doing that. And it's a chance that he's like, I want to throw some money too. For the same reason why Let him throw pay. it
1: on his stuffed animals.
0: He should Let be him throw money. it around oh. himself in the
1: room. <laughs> he might want to throw money on. as a child, but he does not understand what he's doing. And it's also, I think, going to cause him to look at women a certain way. But we do need to be more vocal about women doing this when it's the other way around. People would be outraged if a man was doing this to a young girl. We need to have the same energy, I feel like, when a woman is doing this to a little boy.
0: And to that point, you would be surprised if I told you about how many friends, close friends of mine that um, were molested and don't think that they were.
1: By a woman? Because...
0: Yeah, I'll ask them, I'll say, they'll be like, how old were you when you lost your virginity? And they say, I was like 10. And I'll be like, God damn, 10? That's crazy. And they would be like, yeah, well, she was like 17 or 18 or she was a babysitter or something like that. And I'll be like, dog, that's called molestation. That's an adult and a kid doing stuff. And look, guys, you know, I'm sure some of it, the stories were bravado or yeah, I've been fucking since I was nine. But I'm telling you straight up, particularly in the South, there was a phenomenon of young men being with older women when they were kids. And it was something that was discussed. But There was weird back padding that went on about it. And there was, that's a man right there, or I'm this. It's not looked at in the same way. It's not looked at in the same way if a male teacher um, is having sex with a 15 year old girl uh, than it is when a female teacher is having sex with a 15 year old kid. And we know that that happens not. Frequently, none of these things happen frequently, but they're not isolated incidents. Right. So I do think it's important that we protect the innocence um, of of our young black
1: boys. Absolutely.
0: As much as we protect it uh, of our of our, our 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 young sisters as well. All right. We gotta we gotta rock it through here. I will say this: just let y'all know, uh, Rachel is super excited about the fact that UFOs are real. Um, UFO congressional hearings. Whistleblower says the US is concealing multi decade UFO program. And we got bodies to prove it. Donnie, give me the audio.
1: If you believe we have crashed craft, uh, stated earlier, do we have the bodies of the pilots who piloted this craft?
4: As I've stated publicly already in my News Nation interview, uh, biologics came with some of these recoveries. Yeah.
1: Um,
0: were they, I guess, human or non human biologics?
4: Non-human, and that was the Non-human. assessment of people uh, with direct knowledge on the program I talked to that are currently still on the program.
0: So, let me ask you this. Did this guy see—did he see it himself? It's hard. Donnie, jump on. Uh, Donnie, Ashley, jump on. A woman
1: says—I think she asked him the question. He said he saw things that were not human. He saw them?
0: Or run it again. Because I can't— This no, might not be the clip. I don't think
2: he— Hold on. Yeah, it might not be. Uh, From my understanding is he was asked to investigate or look into these certain programs uh, that had to do with unidentified aerial phenomena known as UAPs. And in his research, he was able to find that the government has had knowledge of these things before. But I don't think he has put eyes onto these things. But I also could be wrong.
1: I am telling you that's one of those... People said that they saw something that was not human life form.
0: He didn't just say that. Then he said he's talked to people, and he also said that any any anything more that he would have to say, um, to the congresswoman, he would have to say it in a skiff, which means we got classic, 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 classic docking going on. Yo, I'm happy. No, I'm stop. happy. Stop. Some people are saying that they just did this to distract away and deflect away from the Hunter Biden stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe.
1: <laughs> Maybe so. Um,
0: identify all highly classified programs related to the task force mission to find out about UFOs. I was informed in the course of my official duties um, which I was denied access- uh, whatever. I, we already saw this. He, he's been aware of non-human activities since the 1930s a human biologics. I never even heard the term biologics before. He's a whistleblower um, after his discovery uh, and has faced retaliation for coming forward. He declined to be more specific about the retaliatory tactics citing an ongoing investigation. I want to book this guy. No. Uh, like, I, I, we got to get this guy on Why? here. Why? Why
1: is it so necessary to know? Why is it Rachel, so necessary? Rachel,
0: the truth is Why out there. I want to know.
1: Okay, so so what you know. now You know, and, and what are you going to do? What are you gonna do about want, it I, at this point?
0: I, I want to try to find them. I want to try to get their help. I think I can help them.
1: What the hell is going on? What the shit is that? Oh, that's Kimmy. <laughs> oh, oh <laughs> that, she's got to come do my as, makeup. What we were we talking about? Talking about, about UFOs.
0: <laughs> and then all of a sudden, somebody a person, popped up.
1: A I was like, outside
0: starting you man!" Great timing, Kimmy. Great timing. Oh, that's no diss to Kimmy. Kimmy popped in, and I was like, "What the fuck?" I thought they had come for you, Rach. No,
1: stop, stop. and You weren't going to tell me. You weren't going to say anything. This is what he said. Okay, the quote was non-human biological matter. That's what he, wait, has been retrieved. That means he saw it, right? Oh, Doesn't that mean he saw it? Oh, wait, then it says he hasn't personally seen any alien vehicles or bodies. See? All right. Okay, that's the thing. Okay, so that's the thing. This, Everybody's okay. talking about it, but he
0: he hasn't personally seen him. I I there's one last step. I believe him. There's one last step is actually seeing. Yeah,
1: he said he talked to forty witnesses. No, yeah, next. Yeah, do not book yet. We're not booking. All right, them. um,
0: uh, mail back, mail back time, time to read your letters and then we'll reply to them. Oh. It's mailbag time. Write us with your queries and we'll chime in.
2: All right. The first mailbag question comes from Consideration Glad. They want to know, uh, what was your first celebrity encounter? The million dollar man, Ted DiBiase.
1: No.
0: I saw him at the Tiger truck stop in West Baton Rouge, right outside of Baton Rouge, right outside of Maryland, my dad's hometown. I saw him. He was huge. He was there with his black valet, Virgil. The WWF was in town. It was the <laughs> WWF then. It's WWE now. And I'm like, oh, that's the million dollar man. He was, he was, he was a big dude. And dad was like, see them guys be big. He was huge. A Million dollar man, Ted B.S. First, first famous, person I ever saw.
1: First one I remember was Emmett Smith. A Big cowboy fan, obviously. Here went to a book signing. Um, he came out with his book, and I waited in line to meet him and get an autograph.
0: Mm, next, Zani. Good question.
2: All right, following up with this one is from Desert Cats. They asked, uh, "Most important, not best movie you have seen. Top three, if you can't answer, Yo, just don't one." Don't
1: don't don't know. I don't know. Top three important movies I've seen? I I can't.
0: Most important movie I ever saw. I'm going to give
2: a top three. Do the Right Thing. A Raisin in the Sun. And Moonlight.
1: Really? Moonlight? Interesting.
0: Moonlight is an insanely
1: important movie. It's so good, it's insanely important. All right, I'm I, trying to get band. Janae
2: to watch Moonlight, and she uh she refuses. She thinks it's sad, she's gotten the vibe that it's too sad to watch, and she's been avoiding it. Hold but I'm like, it's, hold it's on, not. Hold on, is Janae phobie phobie? Little no, no, she she's sad. She's like fear phobic or ah, sad phobic.
1: Ah, no. ah, that's what people say. It, it is that's sad, but, <laughs> it, but, <laughs> it is, little, but it is not phobia. an overwhelming thought as sad. you watch it. Like there are sad moments, but it doesn't take over the movie. It's not one of those the, type movies where you're going to be like that the whole time. Exactly. Exactly. The movie
0: is triumphant. And I think
1: it's a little poppy So We're not going to do that. We're not going to do that. Donnie, this is where you move on to the
2: next question. Next question. This film is not
1: available in this market. Go, Donnie, go.
0: Are, is our people Uso hold on, Libre. Hold on, hold on, her people her people from Jamaica. Is that is they, is they, they, they don't want to watch a move in with the Bad Boy?
1: Huh? Oh my god,
2: phobia. Okay, Come go on, ahead. we got to go. Oh, yeah.
1: Look, <laughs> no, Kimmy's getting all all right,
2: set up. U- Uso, yeah, she's ready. Uh Uso Libre asks, uh, who is your best celebrity impression? I don't have a best one, but I have a new one.
1: I'm not good. I I'm not good. Go go ahead. You guys want to hear
2: my
0: Richard Dreyfus?
2: Um, if I want to play a black man,
0: I shouldn't have the opportunity. Um, that's insane. If I want to play a black man in blackface. Uh, that is my right. Little Richard Dreyfus right there.
1: Here's the thing that I don't, wouldn't know his voice if you gave me five okay, voices. That's, you, know, you know what? I'm sure that was good. <laughs> so, I'm sure it was good. Was good. Was good. Sure it was good <laughs> but Donnie, Donnie, time out, Donnie. You, Donnie. If he didn't tell you he was doing Richard Dreyfus and he didn't use that content, would you have known whose voice that was? No because we don't just know what yeah. Richard Dreyfus sounds like but the fact that that's the one you came up with is hilarious you've been working on that i have been, been practicing I've
0: been doing my Richard Dreyfuss you've everywhere. been practicing I know you have I fuck with my Richard Dreyfus. man fuck y'all man who's over there lying Dreyfuss
1: to the you you've been... okay
0: uh, got it go.
1: take your thing caps off
0: okay, up, <laughs> okay. Uh, take thing caps off but do not stop learning I am Van Lathan Jr.
1: and I'm Rachel Lynn Lindsay. bye guys